0: Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorkworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. It seems like a long time ago now, but do you remember this time last year? We were all in lockdown again, the COVID vaccination rollout was in its infancy and the countryside had become a sea of deep mud. So it's not surprising that once again, we reached to wildlife for comfort. A record more than 1 million people took part in the RSPB's annual Big Garden Bird Watch, all coming together to look out for the birds that share our parks and gardens with us. And it's back again for 2022 on the 28th to the 30th of January. Shockingly, we've lost 38 million birds from UK skies in the last 50 years, so birds have never needed our help more than now. Here to tell us more from St. Albans RSPB is Dan Fletcher. So Dan, thank you for joining me. Now, birds, they can't pop inside when it's cold or they can't sort of shed some clothing when it's warm. So birds must be affected by the big temperature swings like those we've had over Christmas. Can you just tell us how they're affected and why this is important for them?
1: Sure. Birds don't necessarily feel the cold quite the same way that we do, and they can certainly withstand colder temperatures much more easily than humans tend to do so. One of the main effects of temperature changes and increasingly impacts of climate change is what's happening to the food that birds are eating. And uh, particularly if, the, if that food is, is insect-based or, or indeed plant-based, the effect of temperatures on, on those things affect how well birds thrive or not. So certainly, the, the warm weather was right at the beginning of January has affected some insects and butterflies that were seen and uh, other insects were coming out. Those will be actually good for the birds, but then there may be some problems then when it gets colder and those insects that have emerged, they're then perhaps killed off by the cold and then they're not available for the birds to eat at a later point in time.
0: But very much at the forefront of these kind of changes that we're seeing more of. And, and are you seeing anything interesting or unusual in the world of birds around St Albans at the moment?
1: There's a the number of, of winter birds here, here in, in the town, field fairs and, and redwings that will be two of the types of thrushes that come over at this time of year. Equally, some gardens have been lucky with sightings of siskins and bramblings. Those are also winter finches. Rambling is a little bit like a chaffinch. Massiskin is a little bit like a greenfinch, and they tend to just come here in in the wintertime. And then down at Verulamium Lake, there have been some un- unusual ducks there. One unusual bird there was was a teal that uh, is not that unusual, but it very, very rarely turns up at Verulamium Lake. And if you're in that area, check out the Cathedral's Tower. There's a juvenile peregrine that often roosts on a, on a drainpipe that sticks out quite high on the tower. Occasionally, it's seen on the, on the tower roof as well.
0: Certainly, that sounds great. I'll have to have a look out for that. You mentioned the field fair and redwing. Where would we look for those?
1: So, those are uh, thrushes which, which may come to bird tables. Um, you may see them in, in bushes or trees in your garden. Particularly, redwings are often in flocks and they're a bit like a song thrush, but with, with an eye stripe and, and with a, a red underwing. And, and the field fair is a bit larger, sort of missile thrush sized.
0: Brilliant. Now, it's It's part of the January wildlife calendar now. But for those who are new to it, can you just explain to us what the Big Garden Bird Watch is about?
1: So it's, it's very simple. It's basically spending one hour counting each type of bird that you see in your garden the last weekend of January and sending that information to the RSPB. It's been a survey that's been going on since 1978, when it was first devised as a way to engage with children and promoted through Blue Peter. I think they had about 34,000 children sent in their sightings for a week, which Blue Peter were very pleased with, and the the RSPB were also pleased with that, and that began the survey, which then included adults from about 2001. And now, last year, a million people took part in the the Big Garden Birdwatch, so it's really grown, particularly with maybe a greater interest in local birds and that kind of engagement with nature through the pandemic and it's a great example of citizen science. It's an opportunity to get large numbers of data which then allows you to see the trends that are happening with different species and can then help organisations like the RSPB and others to initiate more depth surveys of, of particular species which changes in numbers suggest they're struggling or equally that there's good reasons for them growing as well.
0: So has the big garden bird what highlighted any particular issues of importance over the years?
1: So it has. It's quite interesting looking at the the top ten from back in 1978, 79, and what the, what the top ten garden birds are now. And and sort of strikingly, birds like chaffinches and greenfinches that I mentioned earlier, actually they, they've declined significantly. There are 68% fewer chaffinches, 72% fewer greenfinches. Those birds, so particularly greenfinches, have suffered from an, an illness, bacterial infection that maybe is actually partly the result of garden bird feeders, which causes the birds to get gross on their feet and then on their beaks as well. Um, And that has resulted in the decline of those species. And one of the key sort of lessons from that is the importance of cleaning your garden bird feeding equipment regularly, because if those aren't cleaned on on a regular basis, every time you empty them, really, then they can spread disease, which is obviously sort of counterproductive to, to the idea of feeding birds in the first place.
0: Indeed. Well, I'm glad you've mentioned bird feeders there because I was just going to ask you, is it cheating to put out a bird feeder or some food for the birds, especially for the Big Garden Bird Watch?
1: It's not cheating. No, it is something that's generally done and people do do that. There are different schools of thought as to how important bird food is. I think particularly when the, when the weather is very cold, it can be really helpful to birds to have an extra source of food if they're struggling to find natural food. In, in theory, birds should be able to find enough natural food in gardens, but equally, one observation that the, the Garden Bird Watch has found is, is that maybe some of the reductions in, in populations is because gardens now are tended to be much tidier than they were maybe 40 years ago. Tidier, neater garden probably means there's less food around, fewer seed heads, maybe fewer insects because more insecticide is being used in in gardens. So as a consequence, maybe it becomes more important to help the birds because food that they would be getting more naturally isn't there in the same way. Also, you could have less neat gardens. That would be a good thing as well. Let parts of your garden go a bit wilder just to help the insects and help the birds.
0: Indeed. Well, I'm going with that one at the moment. But if I was to think of putting some food out, do you have any particular recommendations?
1: So it's good to try to source your garden bird food from somewhere where the food hasn't had to travel huge distances to get here where it's grown in a sustainable way. The, the RSBB does produce quite a lot of garden bird food like that. And so the, you know, there are different varieties that you can buy in the, in the supermarkets or places like Carpenter's Nursery in St Albans or other garden centres. But, but do, do look carefully to where the food is sourced from. Typical things are nuts, seeds and fat. Fat is particularly good. It's, it's high in energy, so that can be a, a very useful thing to feed them with. But just the scraps that you have from your own meals um, good. Try to avoid putting out anything that is too salty. And equally, bread isn't necessarily the best thing to put out, particularly white bread, but whole grain products would be better than ultra-processed products.
0: That's a good point then. So here on Environment Matters, we've been looking at how we can learn more about wildlife. So I I wondered if I could just pick your brains on how we can make use of the Big Garden Birdwatch as an opportunity to sort of kickstart learning more about birds. Now, we have to look out for birds for for an hour to, to take part. And we can watch in our gardens or sit in the park, or we can just look from a window or balcony what's the best way to watch them? Is it best to be inside or outside? Or what time of day do you think or you know is, is it important to sit still as well is is that uh, just a few tips there would be helpful Sure,
1: yeah so it's generally going to be more satisfying if you do see a good number of birds when you're doing the garden bird watch and that produces data which is useful to the RSBB. so it's worth looking out before you do the garden bird watch just to see when your garden or, or park or wherever you're looking is is a bit busier it would tend to be a little bit busier sort of an hour after dawn or or maybe the the hour before, before dusk. I find in my garden actually when I'm having lunch sort of sometime between 12 and two, then actually the birds are feeding quite a lot then as well. When it's colder, they're more likely to be more birds sort of relying on food that, that's been put out for them. So that's also a good opportunity to uh, be watching. And uh, obviously when it's raining, that's not such a productive time. Birds may be sheltering from the rain, not coming to feeders. So those are some of, the, some of the ideas on timing. Inside or outside, doesn't really matter. I guess there's pros and cons. If you're outside, you can maybe hear more things, be more aware of birds that are singing as well as those that are coming to feeders. And the Garden Bird Watch, you, obviously if birds that are singing in the garden, you need to include those and anything that's perched in in the patch that you're looking at counts, so they don't have to be actually feeding. So if you're inside, you can't hear the, the calls so well but if you're inside, you're less likely to disturb birds. And Also, the end of January, it may well be cold, so you don't necessarily want to stay outside too long. The, the other thing to think about just to sort of maintain interest over that hour is you don't have to look out of the same window all the time. If you're in a house, you may have garden or sort of space out the front and out the back, so spend a bit of time out the front, spend a bit of time looking out the back, use that to create some variety. Also, uh, make sure you, you've got a drink prepared and maybe some biscuits or something to, uh, to keep you going as well, and just to uh, to make it a, a as interesting and, and therapeutic as time, a comfortable the time as possible.
0: Those are good tips because it has to be said, the being patient and watching is something that I really do struggle with. But I, you know, but I understand that actually that being patient is an essential part of watching nature, isn't it? I think I'm just going to have to get to grips with that, as you say, perhaps with the, the help of a, a couple of tea and a couple of biscuits there. Are we wasting our time, Dan, if we don't have any binoculars?
1: Uh, not at all. No, I do have a pair of binoculars by the sofa so so I can see something a little bit of a distance. But most birds that I see in my garden, I just see them with the naked eye. Yeah, you'll be able to see enough. Binoculars can help, but they're, they're not, not at all essential. Okay.
0: Now, I'm forever doing this, but I see a bird that I don't recognise, um, but I think, oh, yes, yes, I'll remember what that looks like. And then I get to a bird book and they all look the same and I haven't really got a clue. When you're looking at a bird, what are the key features that you should be looking for that are going to help with identification?
1: Yeah, so I think size is is one of the big differentiators and predominant colour. Those are two useful things to work out and and maybe to to think about some standard birds that you do recognise. You know the size of a blue tit, the size of a sparrow, the size of a blackbird, you know, the size of a wood pigeon, and then think about the bird that you've seen and which is it most like. So just sort of some sort of size guide is useful, and then going by colour. There are apps that can help you to find which bird you're looking at. The the RSPB has its own bird identification aspect of the website. There's also the Merlin bird ID guide. It's quite good. And that will will take you through a process of looking to see, yeah, what size bird is it? What color is it? And I suppose to some extent, what what is it doing? That's maybe more relevant when it's outside of a garden because it might be a bird that's swimming or a bird that's flying or a bird that's walking. And then then that also helps you to differentiate it from birds that would typically not be swimming or or walking or flying in, in a particular locality. But yeah, if you've got your phone with you or, or have a field guide next to you while, while you're doing the garden birdwatch. Equally, the RSPB does provide a little identification guide for the birdwatch. So if you go onto their website and register to take part, they will send you uh, information, a guide. So you can also look at the pictures there and work out uh, the commoner birds that you're likely to see and whether, whether you've seen one of them or not.
0: Some good tips there. Thank you very much indeed. Now, you did mention that the Big Garden Birdwatch actually starts with Blue Peter, so it did actually start as a children's activity. Have you got any tips just for sort of catching the interest of children, given that, you know, sitting down quietly for an hour isn't necessarily top of the list of favoured activities?
1: Yeah, I, I suppose you can maybe gamify some of the process of, of watching birds so you can see how many different species can be spotted, what's the most that you can see at any one time or whether different combinations of different birds that, that, that you see out in the garden, then there may be sort of games or, or challenges that you can create out of it. There's also are there other animals that, that you can see in the garden as well, getting children to see whether they can see a squirrel or even any signs of, of unusual mammals in, in the garden. And yeah, the, the RSPB does try to make it... A, a family occasion. So, their website they do have sort of recipes of, of biscuits or things that you could make beforehand to to get children interested in Those are some ideas.
0: Okay, that's that sounds good. Now, my perennial problem is that as soon as um, I mention the word big garden birdwatch, all the birds flee from my garden, and I don't see any birds. But that's still worth recording. No data is is still data. So. Yeah, the RSPB
1: does say that Yeah, if you see nothing during that hour, then that tells them something about what's happening in your particular area. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does occasionally happen, but an hour is quite a long time. Something, something should turn up during that time. <laughs> um, and, and again, if, if, if you try and pick your time as to when it was popular over the last couple of days in, in the garden bird-wise, then that, that will increase the chances of you, of you having some, some actual data think... to submit.
0: I think that's a good tip. I think I might have to think about the time when I do my bird watch this year, so... Dan, thank you very much for that. Now, you've mentioned the website a few times. It really is very easy to report our bird sightings on the RSPB website. But if we're not so au fait with technology, we can do all this on paper as well. Is that right? Yes,
1: you, you can contact the RSPB and they will send you a, a paper form to fill in, which you can then return by post. So yes, it, that, that does does work. And I would say as well, the local RSPB group here in St Albans, we're, we're also encouraging people if they, when they submit their results to the main RSPB, Big Garden Bird Watch, to also eat, Email the top 10 birds that that you've seen in your garden um, to the St. Albans RSPB, and and then we're going to put together a local top 10 and see how that differs from from,
0: from the national top 10. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to hear about that. And just to finish, Dan, you're obviously a a keen bird watcher yourself. What is it that you like about bird watching? What does it give to you?
1: It's a whole variety of things. I think I, I read somewhere that somebody said recently that they don't go bird watching. That they are bird watching, and it's it's something which you can almost do anywhere, and almost at any time. I was going to say just during daylight, but even during the nighttime, there may be birds that you hear flying overhead or owls that are calling. So for me, you know, engaging with with the birds around me is something that that I'm able to do. By, by hearing birds singing, by seeing them, whether I'm actually going out in the countryside and looking for, for birds specifically, or just sitting in a meeting at, at work. I've, I've been in committee meetings in, in London and seen the peregrine falcon fly past the window, That's, which is a little distracting, but enjoyable at the same time. And that maybe that brings that, that there's variety, there's, there's uh, birds are everywhere, and you never know what you're going to see next.
0: That sounds absolutely fantastic, Dan. I'm looking forward to my big garden bird watch this year already. Thank you very much indeed for explaining that to us. That's a great point from Dan, isn't it? Wherever we are, we can be looking out for birds and benefiting from that connection with nature. So the email address that you'll need so that you can share your sightings with the local RSPB group is st-albans-rspb at hotmail.co.uk. I'll say this again, that's st-albans-rspb at hotmail.co.uk. And if you're looking for bird food or feeders, then Burst and Tyler stock the RSPB bird food and feeders. Ailert's Nursery have a wide range, including some great squirrel-proof feeders. And as Dan said, carpenters have a great selection too. Now, you can drop me an email on amanda at radioverulon.com or message via the Environment Matters Facebook page. You'll also find me on Twitter at rv underscore environment. Right, I'm off to buy the tastiest bird food I can find to entice those birds into my garden, ready for the big garden bird watch. It's not going to be zero plants for me this year. I'll see you at the same time next week. Until then, thank you for listening.